so I've explained before how occasionally our front yard zone garden, if you will, uh, like <laughs> the neighbors also have dogs. So every once in a while it becomes like our own little dog park where all like there's one, two, three, four, five dogs will be out playing together. And it's very cute. They all get along. That's really cute. Um, but the, unless sometimes I'll go out and I won't realize all the other dogs are out. And if Crumb has brought his ball, which he almost always does when we go outside, because, like, to the point where it feels like Crumb can't go outside without it. It's like his little security blanket. It, um, he just loves it. He's got to carry it out there. Um, and it is nice because, like, he's so fixated on it that I can use it to kind of, like, guide him where I want him to go. Um, mm. Or if someone's going to run by, if I grab the ball like that's what he's going to focus on he's not going to focus on the person um so anyway he usually has it it's really cute but it's very funny to watch like that's still the case he still only wants to play with the ball even if there's other dogs playing or people around so like they'll want to say hi to him and normally crumb is good at saying hi to the like the neighbors he likes to greet them but if he has his ball he's like i can't please don't don't say hi to me right now. I am focused. You must my ball. unless you want to throw the ball. Please don't. I don't really have anything for you. Um, and the other day, like this happens a lot. But so Turbo, so who is the the Boston Terrier, who my neighbor yes. has a puppy, he's still like ton of puppy energy. I think he's how one, old is he now? I think he's maybe one now, okay. or close to it. That's a great question. That's but he's yeah. That's because. I feel like Turbo happened right as we started this. So yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. I think he's wow. around one. Um, Cute. But he's got so much energy. I've never really interacted with a Boston Terrier that much. Mm. And I didn't know. But apparently this is kind of how they are also. He's just just a, a well, little. Always nut. or just as puppies? I mean, they I think they calm they down always? eventually. But it seems like it takes a while. He's okay, just. Wow. He's named Turbo for a reason. He's just constantly like <laughs> bouncing off the wall. He like you come and say hi, and he like he tr he knows he's not supposed to jump on you, but he cannot help it. He's like, I really should say hi though. It would be rude. Um, he's just got so much energy. He he's you know Boston Terrier size. He's not huge, but he's always carrying around giant sticks that are way too big for him. Amazing. Just, yeah, really good. Um, little dog big stick is so cute. <laughs> it's so good. It's really cute. But he's a little bit too high energy for Crumb and Cricket sometimes, which is hilarious because Cricket normally loves that, but he's bigger than them, so it kind of freaks Cricket out, and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's a lot of, like, back off kind of warnings. Like, he gets mm, a little too mm, crazy mm. for them. Um, but the other thing that he loves to do is steal Crumb's ball, and then he wants what he wants is Crumb to chase him. So he steals mm. it and is like, come on, I got the thing. But Crumb just like stares and just like shock. He just does not. And like the audacity yeah. of this pup. Yes. Yeah. He's just like, what? And then he'll look at us and bark and be like, Are, he, did you see that? Turbo took my ball. But like he's telling on Turbo. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And he'll just like, he'll kind of try and like follow him, but then like goes to any of the humans and like barks to be like, can you get my ball from Turbo? I, what do I do here? What's the move? And like, it's so funny to watch all of the neighbors, though. Everyone knows. Like, everybody is like, oh, Crumb, you got your ball? Like, that's his thing. 
So then all of the neighbors also will work together to make sure that like they can get it back from Turbo and give it back to Crumb. Oh. It's really cute. I'm just so convinced that like Crumb doesn't know that he's a dog. I like I really just don't think he thinks he's a dog. No. Because like another the dog thing to do would be to chase the other dog. But yes. Crumb is like, I'm a person. <laughs> So I need to confer with my fellow people about this issue. I'm going to go tell them to see if they can help me because I'm pretty, I'm pretty short. So they might be able to help me here. (laughs) That's so cute. It's really cute. And really, like, I love the little dynamics between everyone just watching of like, Crumb's so excited to see the neighbor unless he has his ball. And then he's like, yeah, not right now. Please. Yeah, absolutely. Like, the ball is top priority. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So funny. Yeah. So that's what's Aww. going on over here. How's how are the, the animals in your life? Um, everyone's good. Percy is I love Percy at the moment. She's very happy that Michael's home because he is her favourite. And like I, I do forget. So it's funny. She will follow me around a lot, like just in general, but like the level of excitement with which she greets Michael. It's just like offensive. Yeah. Like it's just, it really just rubs salt in the wound. Yeah. Um, he came in, he was away and he got back and she was just like zooming all over the place, rubbing all over him, meowing at him. Like, so like I, I was woken up. Michael got in in the early hours of the morning and I was woken up by Percy meowing so loudly, like you're back. I never thought I'd see you again. I can't believe this. Yeah. You're with her. Um, And then the thing that she'll do is, if Michael's been away um, and went, like, she'll be, like, all over me. Like, she's my best bud. We spend every second together. Mm-hmm. She's, like, Velcro cat. She's so glued to me. Then when Michael comes back, she has to, like, double down on the fact that she doesn't like me that much. <laughs> so she'll kind of be like, who, you? Ew, no. What are you talking about? So she'll kind of, like, pounce on me and then, like, kind of, like, like try and, like, play fight with me. And then run over to Michael and like meow up at him like coquettishly. Like she's being so mean to me. Look. And I'm just like, I know your game. I know what you're doing. You're trying to you're trying to turn us against each other and yeah. instate yourself as his favorite because you feel competitive with me now that the love of your life has returned. So, so that's what's been happening this week. She's been really like giving me the cold shoulder. Um as if yeah. to just like really make a point. Yeah. She loves she loves Michael the most. Just to be clear, like Yeah. If he's not here, like, yeah, we'll hang out. But please don't get in my way. Yeah, like follows him everywhere, runs around after him. If he ever like gets up to leave the room, she just chases him meowing, like, Where are you going? What's happening? Like if he goes to the loo, she just sits outside the bathroom and meows at him. Like it's so yeah, funny. So it's such cat it, behavior. I don't have to explain it's such it, but cat behavior. Like the dogs, obviously, like they follow me around the house, but it doesn't have the same kind of attitude that yeah. a cat would have with it. You know what I mean? Sure, like it feels so pointed yeah. when she does it. Yes, like she's trying to slight me. Like it's it's on purpose. <laughs> yeah. She can be very spiteful. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, there's so much spite in it. Whereas like for me, like I just like before we recorded went to get water and it's so funny to hear like I walk down and then back and it's just a stampede following me like you know what I mean there's no they're just like where are we going okay there's no spite so there's sweet. no <laughs> no um but yeah she's she's all good love her yeah hilarious um what's going on with Simba I don't think there's anything new 
Okay. No, Simba's pretty much the same. He still like doesn't realize how small he is. Like he'll just like bark at big dogs <laughs> in the walks with mum, and like it just stresses her out because you know Simba's squaring up to an Alsatian or something, mm-hmm. like a Rhodesian. It's just like what? Are, what are you do? like? It's obviously nominative determinism. Like we called him Simba. I don't know what we expected. It's so funny, but um. So he's just still doing that, like very protective of my mom, which is really sweet. But it's also just like, have you seen you? Yes. Your ridiculous poodly dog. Well, There's and we know he's seen himself do. in the window reflection. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Actually, a thing that he's, he does that like makes me laugh so much is where, I don't know if I've said this, like where my parents' TV is. Um, it's sort of like, it's like a lot of glass around. So if a dog walks off screen, Simba thinks that the dog has like walked out to the garden. No. So yeah, so the dog will like walk off screen and Simba will follow the dog <laughs> off screen and then run out to the garden thinking <laughs> that the dog has gone out to the garden because the TV is on the back wall and the back wall runs parallel like that. Yes. Um, you know what I mean? So he just runs and then he's like looking around the garden like, where did it go? Where did it go? So he'll be barking at the dog on the TV and then he'll go out in the bar- into the garden and bark at the dog like, where are you? I know well, you're out here. What's so funny about that is that I think it kind of shows a sign of intelligence because he's like looking at a screen yeah. and registering like, I'm seeing a dog. Yeah. And like, I, I sometimes the dogs will notice the dog on screen, but like, I don't know that they always like kind of perceive the TV as a thing. So it's like, sure, oh wow, look yeah. at him. Like he's looking at, he's understanding the TV and seeing a dog, but then... Kind of reverses that by being like, and the dog is now in the garden. Like, yeah, I just don't think he knows the difference yes. between a TV and a window. Yes, that's the thing. Like, so he just thinks the TV is not the window. Yeah, and so it just follows. And like, do I don't know, know that where that falls. Does that make him very smart or less smart? It's somewhere. I don't in the know. Middle. Like, he is. He's. <clears throat> he is just like a bit of a bimbo. Yeah, like, we are okay with that. Yes, um, absolutely. He does have his really smart moments. Yeah. Like, if he ever wants anything at all, he gives you his paw. He's obviously like, <laughs> I'll get a treat if I do this. Even if you haven't asked, he just starts giving you his paw. Like, yeah. Um, so there is an intelligence in that. Yeah. But it's also very stupid. Like, that's Simba, you know what I mean? Yeah. He contains multitudes. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. That's really beautiful. This week, uh, Ella has a new animal obsession. I do. And she's going to tell us all about Quokkas? Is that how we... Quokkas? Quokkas? I don't know how to say it, Alexis, because every video I've watched where someone has like a slightly different accent, Yeah, they then say it differently. So I don't know what it's meant to sound like in an English accent. Yeah, and also... Because, yeah, we keep hearing an Australian, and my Australian accent is not very good. No, me neither. So it's... it's, We'll say... I'm going to go with Quokka. Yeah. And if that's wrong, There's... don't no, don't not. correct me, frankly. No, don't tell, yeah, don't don't tell us. <laughs> um, we all know what I'm talking about. Yes. Um, um, and then we also have a Ready, Pet, Go from Emily and Gus. So, quokkas. Yes. Alexis are so cute. They're so cute. So the reason I got into quokkas this week is because I saw this amazing video of Rob Irwin, who we love and adore. Yeah. Um, one day we'll, we'll be able to dream be like guest. Rob Irwin, friend <laughs> of the pod. Yeah, like absolute dream guest. Yeah. What a guy. So um, at the 
the, the zoo that he works at in Australia. They have cockers now. And there's just this amazing video of like Rob feeding a cocker a flower and the cocker's just like kissing his nose and just like smiling up at him as cockers do. Yeah. And it's honestly so wholesome. Oh, it's just like an instant hit of serotonin. Go yeah. and do yourselves a favor and just like go watch that now. Like pause, pause, pause the podcast. We're giving you permission. Pause, go watch the video, yes. then come back. Yes. Cool. All right. Done. Okay. Great. Welcome back. Mm-hmm. Hi. So, Quokkas. Um, so, as one would expect, they are endemic to Australia. Um, they're wallabies, technically, they're marsupials. Um, they are part of the macropod family, which actually isn't a phrase I'd heard before looking into Quokkas. But it's just a family of marsupials like kangaroos, wallabies, tree kangaroos, etc. Um, so like other marsupials that we've discussed on the show, we are getting quite into marsupials, I feel like, at the moment. Yes. We talked quite a lot about like the gestation process and joeys and how they have to crawl up. Oh my god. I'm still thinking about the way it, they swallow the the, the nipple. nipple. Yeah. Yeah, the way they look like little jelly babies as they wriggle. Yeah. Yeah. So quokkas are similar, similar vibes, mm-hmm, the same mm-hmm. process, essentially. Okay. Little jelly bean type things, like rolling up mum, getting into the pouch, <laughs> yep. finishing off growing. Love that for them. Yes. When they do grow, um, they can weigh between two and a half to five kilos. Um, the men tend to be a bit bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just the cutest things. They look like very small kangaroos, yes. but they can climb trees, oh. big trees. But just like small trees. They kind um, of look like ha- a kangaroo mixed with a koala. Yeah, they do. Yeah. That is that is true. Right. Um, they're herbivores, like most marsupials. So tree climbing clearly mm-hmm. comes in handy. Um, and they are, a, a phrase that I find really funny is that like, they're very promiscuous. Ooh. So, <laughs> so, um, after a month of gestation, females give birth to one baby, a joey. So they can give birth twice in a year and produce about 17 joeys in their lives. Um, what's really cool um, is that when a female quokka becomes pregnant, she develops two embryos, like a, a, a main embryo and a backup embryo. And what happens is, is that if the main embryo doesn't survive gestation, the other embryo will start Whoa. to grow. So they have like a backup baby in reserve. Whoa. Which is so cool. Yeah. Um, what is slightly like less cool and like a little bit dark is that if a female quokka is approached by a predator while pregnant, she will eject the baby mm-hmm. and the baby's ejection will make a hissing noise that will deter predators. Yes. But it's all right because she has a backup joey. Yes. So, you know, yes. it's a bit savage. I, okay, so <laughs> when I, I was trying to look up like folklore and myths for this episode and... Because yeah. they do this, one of the only things that comes up is like myth. Do Quokka like actually throw their babies? And okay. um, y- yes, but they do. I did want to. I'm glad you brought this up because <laughs> this sentence that came from the article I was reading about it is the most Australian sentence I've ever read in my life, which was Woilies and booties, Patorus do it. They all throw their young and the mother gets to live another day. And I was like, woilies and booties and potaroos are they the most Australian animals I've ever heard of. And what are they? They're all other types of marsupials that I've never Marsupial. heard of. Marsupial. Like, I looked them all up to check. But, like, the word woilies and booties 
It's just yeah, so it's, you Australian. You have to say it in that like, Australian accent. It's hard accent, for me yeah. to say it in an American accent because I'm no, like, I, I, I can why. only read it on, in Australian. <laughs> <laughs> Boilies and booties. Boilies and booties. Yeah, so true. <laughs> <laughs> like those are not like American. Those are only Australian words. I don't think I'm meant 100%. to say them. That's how I feel. <laughs> no, it's so true. Boilies. I, I completely get Boilies. that. Um, Boilies and booties. <laughs> Um, so yeah, they throw their young, they do. which is kind of savage, but yeah, they're just so cute. Um, they've got these like funny little smiling faces. Um, I like, they just look like they're always smiling. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, um, so supposedly they're most commonly found in Rottenest Island, which is just off Rottenest Island, which is just off the West coast of Australia. And it was so named by the Dutch who arrived found loads of crockers there thought they were big rats and so called it rat nest island so rat oh island. yeah that's so fun. that's why yeah um so that's pretty cool yeah um and i wanted to know a little bit about what the word quokka came from yeah and it's actually a noongar word and the noongar people are an aboriginal um australian mm-hmm. people um and so it's a word from their dialect um the word was was probably originally Guaka, guaga, so with G's, guaga. Oh. Um, and so, yeah, and then quokka developed as a, as a result. I see. And then this is just interesting. In 1658, uh, a Dutch mariner called Samuel Volkertsoon, Volk, oh God, I'm going to butcher this, Volkertsoon, Volkertsoon. <laughs> I'm going to stick with that. Um, wrote of a sighting of a wild cat on the island. And then 40 years later, we got Rottenest Island because William Willem de Vlaming mm. mistook them for giant rats. Right. Um, and then, yeah, it wasn't until much later that people were like, oh, no, these are a species of, of, of wallaby. This, yeah, this feels like the origin of R.O.U.S.'s from Princess Bride. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. They literally are right? like R.O.U.S.'s. <laughs> that's so true but like cheerful more cheerful yeah really looking. cute versions um i ate just like in le- looking at this briefly i guess i was just not aware of how many types of marsupials there are i know right like i keep being surprised there are more and more i kind of i think it's a thing that maybe as as a society we need to work on is that like there aren't just like kangaroos and wallabies and like there's yeah so many more marsupials it's true. And also like kangaroos and wallabies have kind of become the sort of unofficial spokespeople of marsupials. Yes. And I would say that's incorrect because from my understanding, kangaroos and wallabies are kind of assholes. Like yeah. they can be pretty like aggressive and punchy. Yeah. Whereas quokkas are adorable. They seem really nice. I mean, like maybe don't, you know, you don't pet a wild them, animal. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like there are also lots of videos of them like coming up to people and being quite curious and yeah. social. So, um, yeah, I uh, I would like the quokka to get like more and better publicity. Yes. That being said, since, so apparently in 2012, the quokka selfie was like a viral thing on the internet. Um, it was probably 2015. I don't know. Were things viral in 2012? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the quokka selfie became this big thing and it attracted lots of tourism to Rottnest Island. Ah. Um, but that's actually helped their population because people oh, are like good. donating to conservation and you know, so that's yeah. a really positive. Tourism thing. is really complicated with animal. It really is because, it, on one hand, sometimes it helps, but it can also hurt. Like if 
you know, tourists need to be really responsible when they're like visiting those places and they often. And this is the thing like, don't go and be feeding quokkas your Pringles. No. Like, stop doing that. I get the Um. draw because, like, also, I love the idea of a quokka eating the two Pringles, like, with the duck, making it their duck. So cute. I get wanting to do it, but we shouldn't. But we really shouldn't because we don't want them to get sick from our food no. that isn't meant for them. No. You know? Pringles are I not. I don't meant. think, no, even though technically it's a herbivore food, <laughs> it's, you know, technically it is a potato. Technically. I don't think that's Very what, technically. Very technically. But I don't think that's what people mean when they talk about herbivores. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, other interesting stuff about quokkas yeah so yeah they reach for leaves like koalas which is why they sometimes climb um but they do have very strong large paws for gripping branches but they can only hold on for a few minutes like which is just such a cute image of a, of a quokka like climbing its way up this not very high tree and then being like right ready steady and then swiping for the snack and falling down again and like having and like hopefully catching it oh, maybe not just being like well I don't have it in yeah. me to keep going. So. You know, so like every every day is a game if you're a crocker. Um, and they hop, like that's how they move. Yeah. They hop like rabbits. It's really So cute. they can, they can crawl, but they also like jump about on their strong back legs in a kind of kangaroo-esque yes. way. Um, but less frightening because they are small and fuzz, you know? Yeah. So that's really cute as well. Thank you. Another moment to pause. Mm. Just go and look at a picture of a sleeping quokka. Oh. Just just go do it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Off you go. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh Okay, cool. Welcome back. So (laughs) what you will have seen is that they often nap with their heads upside down. So they are in a sitting position, but then they have their heads resting on their feet. Yes. Um, Oh, it's so cute. They, They like sleep in a little ball, basically. Yeah, just curled up. It's really good. It's really, really funny good. also. It's like Yeah. I weirdly though, just, it looks so comfortable. Like Yeah, it does. If I could bend, if I was that flexible, yeah. that is also how I would sleep. Yes. Like something like your little tail as your pillow. That's yeah, really, exactly. Really cute. Yeah, they're they're really, really sweet. So yeah, that's my current obsession. I'm watching a lot of videos yes. of them. I recommend everyone do the same. Because they're precious. Yeah. I um I looked for more uh like mythology or, you know, um folk tales about them. Um and I didn't find any old ones, but um in twenty twenty three there was a children's book written by um a woman, she's a okay, hold on, let me make sure I get this right. Um an Aboriginal woman uh, she's an artist, storyteller, and uh, Yamataji Noongar elder, Auntie Rhonda Collard Spratt is her name. Um, and she wrote this book called Old Nana Quokka. And Aww. it's an Aboriginal dreaming story, which is a thing that I didn't, like, I don't really know anything about, um, like, Aboriginal folklore at all, basically. And so the dreaming is like, what they kind of their creation myths it's like the world used to explain how life came to be like in the stories before our time it's called dream time um it's like a complex set of stories and beliefs in aboriginal culture that tie together like land people and the like like ancestry um so that's what what they call i just i love the name also though it's yeah dream time um so she wrote that book old nana quokka which like i don't i think people should just 
go find it if you can and check that out. Um, it's about basically kind of what we were talking about. Um, it follows old Nana Quokka, who is a like a healer and a keeper of wisdom and a Quokka and helps other Australian bush animals who are becoming sick and injured as a result of tourist activities. Um, oh, so it's very tied that. into what you're talking about where it's like, yes, it's great to visit. Like if, I mean, make sure it's great to visit, I guess is the yeah. point. Um, yeah. Make sure your visit is a positive thing. Not yeah. A negative thing. Um, and like, I guess the animals like teach us how to look after their sacred land and it's animals on it. Um, and it just seems really great. So, you know, especially if you, if you like children's books or if you have a kid, I think it's a good one or like a, a kid in your life that you could gift it to. I think that's a really fun one to learn about. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not a lot of, I couldn't, I'm also like, I wonder if I would have found more had I known that other word for quokka that you mentioned, um, that original oh, Aboriginal word. If I would have looked that up, I didn't think about that. But oh, well, that's interesting. Maybe yeah, I'm because there's gotta be yeah. like yeah, for sure. Right, but then I mean the other thing just to mention, sadly, the quokka is listed as vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, they're more vulnerable on mainland Australia as opposed to on Mount Island. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason for this is because of the arrival of the dingo <gasps> about four thousand years ago. Dingo, yeah, and more recently the European red fox. <gasps> so Foxing. yeah, which yeah they arrived in about the thirties. Wow. So, and then also obviously humans, right. um, of the Always. the worst predators yeah. of all. What? Um, Where, wait, why did foxes show up out of nowhere in the thirties? Yeah. I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure some someone brought them over. Someone brought a fox yeah. as a pet. Let it like how anything gets anywhere. Yeah, know? it's still us. <laughs> it's still our. Fault. It's always us. It's just always us. Um, so yeah, they are vulnerable. So if you are interested in quokkas and you want to go have a look at them and you feel drawn um, and you can spare some money to donate to conservation, we would always encourage that. Yeah. Quokka. Save the quokkas. Hi, uh, this is Lori Kilmartin. And I'm Jackie Cation. And we have a podcast called The Jackie and Lori Show on Max Fun. And it's very exciting because what do we talk about? Comedy. Stand up comedy. We both do stand up comedy and have since the dawn of well, Christ. Well, Jackie. Is that offensive? It is offensive to me because you've aged me. <laughs> uh, we started in the late 80s and we're still here. You can't kill us. So go to The Jackie and Lori Show on Max Fun and listen to that. Jackie and Lori Show. New episodes Monday, only on MaximumFun.org. Greatest Trek is the podcast for all your modern Star Trek needs. It's funny, informative, and now it's also timely. That's because every Friday, right after the release of a new episode of Strange New Worlds, Picard, Lower Decks, Discovery, or Prodigy, we bring you a review of that episode. There's some great new Star Trek coming up, and we're going to cover all of it. You'll like our show because we're both former video producers, so we bring a lot of insight into the production and filmmaking aspects to these episodes. And we also have a very refined sense of humor, so we make lots of delightful fart jokes along the way. So come see why Greatest Trek is one of the most popular television recap podcasts on all of the internet. Subscribe to Greatest Trek at MaximumFun.org or in the podcast app you're using right now. We have a Ready, Pet, Go from Emily and Gus that I'm going to read today. Cool. Cool. All right. 
Ready, pet, go. Hey there, Ella, Alexis, and four-legged companions. I started to write about all my animals, but have quickly realized that there is simply too much to say in one message. The remainder of the crew will get their moment in the sun in the future, but today I'm <laughs> going to tell you about my retired service dog, Gus. Gus came into my life by happenstance. I have a rare immune disease that means that I can have an allergic reaction to almost anything, sometimes seemingly at random. Although my quality of life has been dramatically improved by various medications over the years, the cumulative side effects are quite unpleasant and can cause long-term damage. I started talking with my doctors about getting a service dog that could sense a bad reaction coming on, allowing me to take additional medications at home instead of winding up in the ER, which had become a regular occurrence. They agreed that a dog might help, but because my disease is so rare, there are no organizations that train dogs specifically for my condition in Ella seeing eye dogs. If I wanted a service dog, I was going to have to find a dog and a way to train it. I did months and months of research into the best way to go about this and landed on trying to find a one to two year old shepherd or lab. Those breeds often make excellent service dog candidates and getting an older pup would hopefully allow me to bypass some of the potty training and have a better sense of temperament up front. I spent hours searching local breed specific rescues and public shelters, knowing finding the dog would be a long shot. Just as I was beginning to think I would never find this perfect candidate, I stumbled across a 1.5-year-old German Shepherd that had just shown up at a local pet resource center. As soon as we could, my partner and I rushed to the shelter to meet him, but by the time we got there, the pup had already been adopted. I was disappointed, if not surprised, and decided to walk past the kennels for some much-needed puppy viewing therapy. As we walked through the rows of dogs, my partner saw what appeared to be a Shepherd mix and called me over to look. This dog was jumping and barking and, while adorable, had some noted health issues that would have disqualified it from service work. However, in the next cage over, there was a brindle lab mix sitting politely and wagging his tail, clearly wanting attention. Upon further inspection, we learned that the shelter had deemed him to be a two-year-old Belgian Shepherd lab and a pit bull mix that had been found on the side of the road two miles from where we were living. On a whim, we asked to do a meet-and-greet with him just to see. Long story short, we not only fell in love with this sweet, nameless boy, but realized he had an amazingly calm temperament. We took a chance on him and adopted him that very day, thinking that if he didn't end up becoming my service dog, he would be a great pet. While he couldn't come home that day, he had to be neutered before they could release him, we decided to name him Gus, after one of the hitchhiking ghosts from Disney's Haunted Mansion. When I went back to the shelter two days later to pick up my boy, I learned that they had named him Augustus in the internal system in the meantime. Clearly, it was meant to be. That's crazy. Wow. After our first vet visit, we did get some surprises. While they agreed that the breed mix the shelter had given us seemed probable, the vet estimated that Gus was likely closer to four years old. Although he was a little older than expected, he had a clean bill of health and was cleared to start training. At our apartment, it quickly became obvious that we had lived in a home. At our apartment, it quickly became obvious that he had lived at a, in a home previously. He already walked in a perfect heel, pottied on command, and knew both verbal and hand commandments for sit, down, and stay. We later learned the road he had been found on was an area known for people dumping unwanted pets. With the help of trainers, Gus learned to alert my allergic reactions within several months and was well-behaved enough to start training with me out in public and not just in the house. And within a year was a full-fledged service dog going everywhere with me. I was just starting my PhD in marine molecular ecology at the time, and Gus was issued all of the same lab safety I would have to wear, including goggles and booties, as you can see in the included <sighs> photo. It's adorable. So share it. Unfortunately, after about four years of working, Gus tore the cruciate ligament in his back right leg. Although there's surgery to repair the ligament, our vets thought that based on his age and size, he would be at high risk of tearing the other knee while favoring the good leg in recovery. 
After the initial couple of weeks, he wasn't in pain and doing normal activities around the house, but keeping up with me for a full day would result in a few days of hobbling afterwards. It was clear that although it was coming earlier than I hoped, it was time for Gus to retire. Today, Gus is living a happy retired life, spending his days napping on the couch, going on walks to look for bunny rabbits, and getting all the ears and belly scratches he can handle. He still alerts while I'm home and does not approve of me spending too much time away from him. If I get home later than usual, Gus is waiting at the front door like a disapproving parent waiting for their child past curfew. <laughs> I'm actively looking for his successor, so hopefully he will be helping me train a, few, a new younger brother or sister in the near future. P.S. If you want to see more of this sweet man, Gus has his own Instagram at ScienceDoggo, which he will hopefully soon share with a sibling. Thanks for a wonderful podcast. I love listening every week. Emily. Oh, my God. Yeah. Firstly, like, I do love Gus as a, as a dog name. Yes. It's um, really cute. There's a Gus. There's a dog Gus in my family as well. Oh, like, really? It's a great. It's a great. It's a great name. Also, just the coincidence of them being like. We named him Augustus? Oh, we just. What are the odds? What are the chances? Yeah, like it's wild. Yeah. Um, I'm like, your rare disease sounds so stressful. I'm so oh, sorry that you have to go through that. But I'm so glad that you had Gus to help you out. Yeah. Um, And I really like the idea of Gus like retiring and passing on the baton. Like <laughs> yeah. it just creates a really funny mental yeah. image of like Gus like interviewing his replacement, <laughs> you know? Okay, let me and see what do you think you can bring to this? Yeah. <laughs> What can you bring to this role? <laughs> <laughs> Where do you see yourself in five years? Still doing this? Good. <laughs> you know? Um, I also just am constantly, every, like every dog, but service dogs in particular, like the bond that dogs have with humans never like ceases to blow my mind. Where it's like, they're just mm. our little companions. And it's like, okay, how can we train this to do this? And like, the, it's just, I don't know. It like, it makes me want to cry and also just like I can't like it's so cool it's so like cool. there's nothing else like that you know what I mean like it's no just, it's so true it's amazing it's amazing just like the and like how did how does he know yeah and like how does he know obviously training and incredible like etc yeah. is like we know it's how they know incredible. it's still just like it it seems like a thing that shouldn't work you know what i mean like based mm. on how life usually goes it's like no you can't train a dog to like help with medicine but like we found of course you can they're actually really good at it really good yeah it's amazing and that's so cool what a great boy what a great boy thank you for 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 sharing your gus tale i can't wait to hear about the rest of your pets um yes please keep keep it coming we yeah. worry about the rest of the crew and let us know if, if what our appetite yeah and like who if you do get a new service animal you gotta let us know um yes we want an update there for yeah sure. yeah um if you have a ready pet girl it doesn't have to be about a service dog it could be about your service bird yes that could be good oh my god if you have a service bird you and you haven't written in already <laughs> that's really rude of you honestly yeah i i feel like there's probably a listener out there that like they know they're sitting on something really Juicy. good yeah, yeah they're yeah. waiting for the opportune moment this could be your moment i'm just saying um yeah uh if you have one send it to us at comfortcreatures at maximumfun.org and you can write it or uh record a voice memo and send that us to us and that's fine too um join us on instagram join us on discord rate review subscribe anything else do you want to say to the no people? i think i think those are all the things all right i've been alexis b preston i've been ella mcleod 
Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows. Supported directly by you.